and welcome to the Next Gen Enterprise Podcast Series, brought to you by Hollow Spirit. My name is Anna Nienke, and in this podcast series, I will talk to all those who are doing the future of work. These pioneers and experts will share their successes, their best practices, but also their failures and any interesting lessons they've learned. So we hope this podcast will be an inspiration to all those on their journey towards a new way of working. Also, don't forget to mark your calendar for March 26th and 27th of 2020 and book yourself a ticket to Paris because we'd love to see you at the Next Gen Enterprise Summit organized by Maeve, Manpower, Octo Technology and Hollow Spirit. Visit thenextgenenterprise.com for more information and tickets and I hope to meet you there. Thanks for tuning in today and um, yeah, let's get started with today's guest. I'm here today with Desmond Decker, uh, who works as a change coach and has spent quite some time at KPN Technium, uh, first implementing Holacracy, which was then used as the foundation for their own organization model called Volt, and was later further developed into something they called Leap, using elements of Sociocracy 3.0. Desmond, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you Uh, for having me, Anna. Holacracy, Volt, Leap, sounds like quite a journey. (laughs) Yes, okay. yes, it was quite a journey. Yeah, so yeah. can you tell me a little bit more about um, KPN Technium and yeah. also about your role there? Yeah, so uh, KPN is uh, one of the largest telecommunication companies here in, uh, in Holland. Um, Technium, or digital as it was called before, uh, we were basically the IT department. Uh, so we made different applications that were consumer facing. So you could say, okay, the, the website, uh, a shop, a self-care environment, but also the, the data stack. So um, building reports for different uh, departments. Um, and basically I joined like five years ago where we initiated this digital transformation. So I can tell you a little bit more about uh, digital transformation, how it works. So it's, it's, it's basically more a term that a lot of corporates uh, use because what you see nowadays is that you know, you have a fast-pacing environment, fast-pacing world. A lot of things change, so you have to be a lot more nimble. And you do see that, you know, scale-ups and startups are like the the, the, the speedboats and, and corporates are like this oil tanker that also need to move. So you need to be become much more flexible. So for us, it was primarily, and I joined, I came from, from a gaming uh, industry, which was well, had the same fast pace. So we did a digital transformation, which basically consists out of four different things if you want to be more nimble, more flexible. So one of them is that you go from waterfall uh, towards agile or scrum or lean, but much more towards a model where you do continuous improvement, continuous delivery, and basically create high performing teams uh, and less of, of the aspect where you say, let's think about what we want for three months, Let's build something for three months and then let's test something for three months. And then after nine months, you have something which you cannot really use anymore. Um, the second part is for us was the challenge because we wanted to go from closed source software towards more open source software. What we see a lot of these corporates, they, they bought a lot of software from uh, big names, etc. But what you see is that that model really grows linear. So if a company provides 50, uh, people extra and increases with uh, 100%, then your, your, your software also increases in performance with 100%. But what you see within open source is that it really goes exponential because people can reuse everything, they can build upon it, it's a vast uh, community. So we also wanted to make use of that. 
the, se- uh, the third thing what we did was going from uh, external personnel, which, you know, uh, different MSP partners uh, or uh, external companies helping us out, building the IT towards more internal personnel. Because if you want to move towards open source, hey, you also want to create your own engineering culture that people are really taking ownership. Uh, very thankful for the people that helped us before, but we really wanted to make that shift. And that also has to do with the fourth point is that you want to build a culture. I, I remember a lot of these corporates back then, you know, now you have, you know, people saw these hip Facebook, Google-like offices, uh, but most of the corporates just consist out of, nah, I wouldn't say cubicles, but they <laughs> could use some paint. Uh, so for us, it was primarily white and, and that was it. And then some dashes of, of, of red and blue and that's it. So you want to also create an environment and that's basically where we were in. If, if you take a, a look at Lalu, eh, we were very becoming a very postmodern organization, culture driven, very green. So the case consists also out of just building your own culture instead of buying it. Eh? So that's what I also liked what we did at Google. You just get a new coffee bar. Mm. We really had to, uh, you know, go out, get the machine, get the coffee, uh, build your own gaming room, go to IKEA, go to Markplatz, eBay to really take care of it. But what you see in an organization like that, and, and the, the final thing that we did was really splitting, you know, getting rid of the managers, so to say. Uh, so we split that role into two people. So one person was like, uh, you know, would say, uh, responsible for a program or high over tech stack uh, had no people under them but are, were really responsible for the product and making sure that the teams work closely good together to uh, create a, a certain outcome or desired outcome and the other part were more like chapter coaches so it was a kind of Spotify model there where you are have an HR responsibility towards a, a, peop, a certain person uh, where you coach somebody uh, and yeah, those two were, were split. But what you do see, this really works very well. If you have people that, you know, they always say, hey, I want to be a part of it, Let's, let me do it. And then you have this, we can do it attitude. It's very green, um, but you don't really have a certain structure in it. Yeah? So what you can also see is that some people didn't really do anything and then, or didn't do it anymore. So then we started implementing Holacracy because we thought, okay, if you want to go to a network organization uh, and we want to make it very scalable, uh, there should be a certain structure in place, a structure which is different from a traditional uh, hierarchy structure. And that's why we started out with with Holacracy. Yeah, so it started with Holacracy. (laughs) What were some of the effects that you noticed when you started introducing Holacracy? So I think that if you take a look at the purest form of holacracy, and it's, it's quite difficult also if you are a, a pure holacracy coach to do it. Mm-hmm. I think that the elements which I really like are you have a cascading purpose. Uh, things revolve around purpose and roles instead of people. Um, you have integrative decision making. I really like that. Uh, I really like the tactical right, because it makes it very fast. Uh, but for us, you know, we also saw that we were working Agile Scrum, uh, so we, we saw some double work in there. So we, we let go for the Scrum teams that you had to mandatory do a, uh, a tactical meeting, for instance. Uh, so we, we basically changed it into our own form already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that longer pilot, we, we, we basically learned a lot. And, and then we iterated on 
uh, well, basically the third movement there, which was a, a mixture between Sochikasi 3.0, holacracy and our own experiences. I can go into that later, but I can tell you why we, we were, uh, now what we noticed with holacracy in general. Yeah, because you did choose to move away from holacracy yeah, at some point. Yeah. So what were some of the challenges or the limitations that you were experiencing? And um, how did that evolve then later into, yeah. you called it Volt, right? Yeah, yeah we called it Volt. Yeah. So, so it was uh, Volt and I think now it was also called Leap. Yeah. So it's different, but we can go into that later on. So with Volt, it, w- it was primarily holacracy driven. Uh, we had some more flexibility regarding it, but going and doing this, this pilot, which it basically was, also provided a lot of challenges. So going, coming from a green organization, uh, you know, it felt for a lot of people very robotic. If you, if you, if you do the technical me- meetings with a facilitator, which is really good. I like a facilitator, you know, but it can be very robotic for people. Uh, the second thing is, is that you really need a very steep learning curve and you have to realize, you know, just people are engineering, it's an engineering culture. So people are already learning a lot of different things uh, concerning the latest thing in, in programming languages, in open source development, different frameworks. Oh, I also have to do agile. Okay, fine. And then you have to read a constitution, which already in itself doesn't really sound like a lot of fun. I mean, I read it, but there are so many rules in there. and. The main thing, and that's why we also wanted to transform, is that changing the model itself proven to be very hard. And I know that people say, yeah, but if you read the constitution, it's very easy. You can do this and this and this. But in itself, you know, you need, you just want to have a very simple structure into doing it or, uh, you know, step by step plan, which is very transparent. Um, Another thing that we realized is that if you do self-organization in, in some form of holacracy at a corporate environment, you do have your certain set of limitations. And it's different from a scale-up where you have an owner and the owner says it's okay, so let's let's get it going. So you do have a collective labor agreement. So because you know your department can can do a self-organization experiment and, and roll it out, but yeah, it doesn't work high over in the entire corporate structure. Uh, So there are limitations to uh, salary increases, for instance. Um, You also have to do with reorganizations, uh, which are based on a function house instead of I have these roles. uh, So it's also quite, you have to be very careful in in those elements to say, hey, these these are set in stone. We cannot change that. This is just a fact of life. Um, So those were also some, some challenges that you really need to make transparent, otherwise these transitions don't really work that well. So how did Volt then, um, did, did Volt solve these challenges or what were the changes that you then started introducing? So basically we, we saw a couple of different things yeah, because it was a very large organization. You have to, you know, there were like six, 700 people here in Holland. Yeah, so, so coaching all of them is, is quite hard. I mean, I think what we did very well uh, was we, we made our own material, we made certain videos, we organized a lot of boot camps uh, to get people acquainted with this new way of working that you know we, we, we implemented certain role-playing games uh, that people get accustomed with the general aspects of it. We had a whole coaching program, so if you wanted to become a Volt coach, you could join. Uh, those were really good things. 
but we still notice that a couple of different elements is that we grew from a department which had around 200 250 people towards 700 yeah, so so and wow yeah so so how do you still keep that cohesion i think this is a general challenge for a lot of different companies or you know that are scaling up whether that's a company or a department so how do you still create that family feeling together uh, very trustworthy relationships and one of the elements which we thought and i think that we, we basically uh, got it from dunbar's rule where we said okay we will do it differently we will just uh, limit it to a holon yeah, so we have different holons that we want to start out with yeah, but let's first get one thing good yeah, instead of spreading it out towards the entire organization you have a couple of different teams that are doing vault and and you know the holon itself we said there can only be a max of 150 people in there uh, those 150 they can do whatever they can organize their own uh, 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 parties or events or whatever um, so then you limit it so that it's very clear for people okay who's in my holon and who is part of it. The second thing is, is that we really wanted to go for a more modular based system where we could also change the structure of the system itself. So we basically made a split where we started out based on principles because I think that guiding on principles works better. Hey, if you say to somebody, you know, just cross the, the street safely, you don't need an entire instruction on how to do that. You know, people will just do it. And it's different from, from country to country. You know, if you go to Vietnam or Cambodia, people also do it. But yeah, it's a lot more hectic, but it works. So what we basically did, and you know, there's no one size fits all model that we sat down and said, these are the principles which we find important. You know, some of them came from uh, social C. Some of them were their, our own uh, experiences like, you know, entrepreneurship, equivalence, uh, maturity, etc. We did an entire uh, interview based on that with a, couple, uh, with a lot of participants and then we had a scoring on that. And what we then wanted to do is that we translate these principles uh, to the foundation and the modules. So it will uh, contribute to it because I also did different sessions with uh, other companies and then you see, you know, these values on the wall and, uh, but you know, do you really feel it? Eh? You want to co-create it and that's something that we really wanted to do. So. What we did, we had still the cascading purpose. We had uh, a governance structure or integrated decision making. We had roles, but uh, you know, on top of that, you can have different modules. So, for instance, for entrepreneurship, we basically the organization said you can spend four hours uh, learning. Um, it was called Future Fit Friday, and it was really nice, eh? and it helps in in. You know, broadening your skill set, it helps in um, maybe t learning some more on the softer side of things instead of really hard coding skills. Uh, but you can also work on a project together. And if you want to work more on it, yeah, then you need to uh, approve it. And there was also a structure set up for that. But then you know, okay, this module is to enhance entrepreneurship, to enhance craftsmanship, etc. So that's those are quite nice things to do. was that foundation build up of you say there there was a foundation yeah. on which you could build on uh, yeah you could build on to that with those different mod modules yeah. that you defined yeah so so it was it was very basic yeah because a foundation should you know you should learn it very fast so we basically had a structure and the foundation was was leap yeah? so this is the way we work which basically consists out of 
These are, are the foundation elements, if you want to change them. Uh, these people are responsible for them. They, they come, uh, they review it once a month or once every three months, so it was very clear. The second thing in the foundation was, okay, we, we have a cascading purpose. So we're self-organizing, yeah? we're not self-steering, so the, it, uh, these are the aspects. The third thing was, okay, everybody has a role. You know, multiple people can have the same role, but we gotta have roles. Uh, and, a, and a team should have, have a circle or basically a, a, a purpose. And what we also got rid of is that we changed things concerning lead link. Yeah? So we said, we think the circle is responsible for the purpose you know, that that circle represents instead of embodying it in one person. I always find it very strange. Like, yeah, but we want to have a team feeling of the purpose instead of, oh no, the lead link is the only one or she's the only one responsible for it. Uh, we had a role which was called uh, Fuser. So that was basically the responsibility a lead link had in matching people with roles. Mm -hmm. But there was also an elective role. So it made it very different. Eh? Instead of being elected in the broader circle, eh? which is normally the case within Holacracy, we just said, okay, within this team, people can choose who has this role. Was that, would you say that was one of your leadership roles, the Fuser? Could you then say you sort of have elected leaders? No, because the Fuser itself was only responsible for getting the best fit between roles and, and people. I don't know if that necessarily is a leadership aspect there, uh, because yeah, it can be, yeah, it's, it's much more broadened in, in that sense. It, yeah, when I think about it, it's very democratic in that sense. And uh, it can also shift there. Eh? In the, uh, I mean, it's the same thing when you elect a facilitator, we still have those aspects also, or, or you know, a secretary role to just, yeah, somebody needs to make it tangible uh, in the system. Um, and the other parts which we did, and that's something that you still need to do if you're in a corporate environment, is really make clear what the limitations are. Mm. You know, because if you say you have infinite resources, you can change all the roles, etc. Uh, yeah, it doesn't work that way, especially when you know reorganizations. It's something that we, we you know, corporates do. Uh, any any organization does. Um, there are collective labor agreements, there's functional. So you really need to make clear, these are things that you cannot change. So this is basically the, the playing field, which is different from the pure holocracy form that uh, sets aside that. Um, and in order to do that, you really need people to also do the one-on-one -on -one coaching. So uh, making sure that people have this entrepreneurial spirit, that they can make these changes themselves, that they make mistakes, fast and cheap, because that's an element of, of learning. Um, and that also the more senior people still have, have a place there uh, in what they do, because they're ve either very, very knowledgeable about a certain subject, or they, they're also really good at, at the coaching and appraisal uh, of teams and yeah, making sure that they also go into the right way because they are responsible. It's a cascading purpose, so they might also be responsible for the purpose above that. So that's, that lays the foundation yeah. uh, you mentioned of LEAP. Um, then you mentioned there are several modules. modules. Yeah. yeah, so what we did, and I'm very happy that they, they uh, continued with it right now, is that 
the modules itself, they are, are also principle-based and you're free to create the, the modules. Uh, there are a certain set of limitations that you really need to uh, talk to the leap stewards, we, talk, uh, we, uh, we call them now instead of our coaches. Um, for instance, a principle with us was transparency. And if you create things in an online environment, uh, so like a website, a website itself consists out of different elements. Uh, you have a self-care environment where people can change their subscriptions. You have a shop where you can buy something. So you have different teams working to create one product. And in order to uh, create a good connection between those teams, because one team needs to build something so the other team can continue with it. You know, that's just the fact of how we live in this complex world. So we had a portfolio wall meeting as the cult. So we had all the teams and they stated what they were working on. Uh, the product owners were the representative of the teams. You could freely join the meeting. Yeah, it was very open in our, our we have, we had an in, indoor soccer field. So, uh, you know, you could, uh, it was really nice. Oh, people, a lot of people played football even there. So that's good. No, but you could join the meeting and then see what was going on. And, and this could be a part of the module where you say, if you are a product owner and you are in this space, then you need to be here. You need to be doing this because otherwise, you know, there, there's no transparency in work. And this is the one moment we come together. But you can also review this module and say, is there might potentially be a better way of doing this, uh, whether it's more effective or more efficient. So that is an example. And the other example was from the modules, like I said, with this uh, learning eh, where you say, we also want to be entrepreneurial. Yeah, but then we also have to learn other aspects. And if you want to spend more than four hours, eh, because there's a financial aspect to it, eh, because if you say holacracy, you can switch roles all the time, that is, um, then you cannot really predict the output of work. Eh? If there's a product owner there and says, yeah, but I have so many team members, I can get so many points in this print. And if, if people are changing all the time, it makes it very unpredictable. And then eh, the business side would say, hey, what are you doing? So if you want to spend more time on it, then you also need to build a, a short case and, and present it uh, to say, okay, I want to spend more time on it. This is the time I need to spend on it. These are the financials I need to, to make it work into an MVP. Is this something that we can do in line with the purpose? And is this okay for me to spend time on it considering my team? You know, so, so that's much more of a mature way of handling aspects. So what are some of the, how, how do you um, create success when implementing or when introducing new modules? Um, what do you think are important elements to um, ensure that they do well? So I think that a module starts on uh, what is the, the challenge or the problem that you're trying to solve and how is this related to the purpose and the principles that we have? So start out with that and then also take a look at for who is this important? Uh, so, so state that uh, there are different roles. Uh, we were still are still uh, you know, working Scrum in that sense. So you have different set roles, just a fact. Um, and then it's basically about making proposals. Okay, uh, we can try out this, we can try out that, but also to be very transparent in what you are actually doing and how people can stay informed, how people could potentially contribute. Um, so, and also you have to market it a little bit, of course, eh? so uh, test it out small uh, and then make it big. I remember that uh, we also had monthly uh, 
webcast, yeah, so so teams could could present there, and then it was broadcasted in that. Uh, yeah, it was really nice, very professional how they how they, how they set that up, and it was really informative. Now, but there you can also talk about what you are doing, uh, whether it's a team contribution or whether you're creating new modules in that sense. So, if there are people listening from other companies who are interested in this and they want to get started with this, where do you start? What would you give them as an advice? Yeah, where to start? Yeah, we came from a very different uh, approach, of course, because we had the holacracy and uh, a twist on holacracy model, so to say, uh, which was called Volt. So you do have that experience in that sense. I would really start out with uh, prototyping yeah, and looking at, okay, what is my purpose? Eh? What do I want to stand for? Eh? What are the certain principles that I want to do? And then take a look at maybe, uh, you know, getting some, some initial help from outside eh, to give you a different perspective on it. Uh, and then just start out with, okay, this is the foundation that I want. The, this foundation contributes to these principles that I have or we have within this company. And then just also take a look at what you already have. Because a lot of the modules is based on things that you probably already are doing, but you never really structureize it in, hey, this contributes to this, these principles. Let me make it visible. Because especially when you are in a larger organization, you know, many people don't really have a clue what is going on everywhere. So make it visible. And I think that, that's a nice start. I think that the role exercise in itself clears up a lot of different things because I did a, a role exercise with a lot of teams and you'd be surprised that people have absolutely no idea what they are doing within the same team. Mm. So that is already for me a plus that you do that, that exercise and um, where you also sharpen, okay, but aren't you responsible also for this? Or should this role not also be responsible for that? I think that's already a very good step forward to just make clear how does my organization fit within a cascading purpose and, and roles and responsibilities. Well, that sounds great. This is all very interesting to learn more about. Um, you have since then uh, left KPN. Yeah. Now working as a, uh, <laughs> now working as a, um, as a coach. So what kind of, what kind of problems can people <laughs> come to you for? So I do it together with, uh, with a partner of mine, Edwin. So we basically help organizations and teams to become more autonomous. Uh, we do that with a mixture of uh, business canvas prototyping to really make clear hey, what, what are your limitations? Uh, what is your purpose? Uh, how does this translate to principles? And then take a look at the foundation together and co-create certain modules for you. So that, that's basically what I'm doing right now because you know, I noticed that it also brings deeper connections between people eh? because if things are very transparent, I like that, then eh, you can build further. And uh, having the ability to change your environment yourself and having clear what kind of structure is in place to do that is very helpful. And it basically provides also with people with a lot more joy to go to their work. And that continues one-on-one -on -one coaching that we also do and to bring that energy and to say, hey, you can change this, just go for it. Let's see what happens. You know, that's really good. And that puts a, a very big smile on my face. And, and that's something that's really nice to do. So yeah, doing that to, uh, now with, uh, in different environments, which is really cool. Sounds really great. Um, thanks so much for sharing your story today and for sharing all these, uh, these nice insights. And um, 
yeah, we uh, we hope to see you again. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening and um, see you next time. That's it for this week's podcast. Thank you for listening and I hope you'll be back next week.